Hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of Qualia in this episode we are going to look at the 2000 year old indian caste system joining with you guys today is rohan and pradeep your favorite neighborhood physicists and before moving on with this episode we would like to give a quick disclaimer that we both claim to be a no expert on this topic and anything presented over here is just reflections of what we have personally witnessed in our own lives let's get started It was during the early 16th century that visitors from Portuguese arrived into the Indian subcontinent. They come and they want to examine this country so that they could start trading. So when when they start to look at our society and the structure they they see something baffling. They see that in India at those times people have been segregated into groups and their ancestry decides what they do in their life or to put it simply their ancestry decides their occupation this was something baffling to them because from where they come it was your skill and your capabilities that decided what you eventually went on to do this confused them and to define this phenomena they didn't have a word so they actually used a word known as casta which is having a spanish origin they used this word casta to refer to a type or breed of a plant or an animal so what they saw in india was so confusing that they borrowed this word casta and used it on people and from there is that the word caste even though the word caste owes its origin to western world it is in this day and age closest associated with the indian subcontinent it's in india that we could witness caste at its highest level and to define caste who else is better than the famous dalit leader ambedkar according to him quote caste is not a physical object like a wall of brick or line of barbed wire caste is a notion it is a state of mind stop quote so this is how caste is defined and pradeep what do you think of it what is your take or how do you reflect on whole caste in our society actually it's really surprising to know that this word caste which has blended with the whole political and social structure of the country that we live in has a western origin and uh, as of the quote that you said the quote that you mentioned it really is a notion of mind these fraternities of religion these fraternities of nations these fraternities of uh, races all these are there out of all these like why did we choose to talk about caste i think we have the duty to clarify that to our listeners what i think is in the time and in the place that we live in i think the issue of caste demands a lot more attention than is being given and we have to look at it from an entirely different perspective people always talk about the constructive part of it like how people come together in groups so i think that we should talk about the side of caste which is lying dormant in all the conversations you know and all the arguments that are going on about caste so we'll take out that dormant side and we'll try to put some light on it 
yeah exactly in india the caste system is so brutal that it dictates many aspects of how people will live their life for example in certain parts of the country it dictates the lengths and folds that a dalit woman can have in her sari and the worst part is that the type of cloth that the sari is made from is also dictated so that she doesn't feel comfortable in that sari so as a mark of her inferiority it's cruelties like these that are inflicted upon them in their daily lives that made us talk about uh, evils like these here i also want to mention about uh, this book that i have read on caste uh, which is by this author isabel wilkerson Uh, she provides us with eight pillars that on which the caste persists in our society so the pillars which she gives us goes as like uh, divine will uh, heritability endogamy purity and pollution occupational hierarchy dehumanization and stigma terror and cruelty inherent superiority and inherent inferiority according to her its qualities like these which make sure that caste exists in our society and it is these pillars at the same time which gives the vicious nature that something like caste possesses and then i have personally read this book and would uh, recommend it to our audience if, if they want to know more about these pillars where the author gives very convincing uh, scenarios for each pillar on how they function and one important thing that she defines in her book is that caste just like she takes the example of uh, of a building just like the studs joists and beams uh, which which form the infrastructure of a building and then and when you walk into a building or these support structure will not be visible to the naked eye but it's these parts of the building that provides the support so it's similar to what's happening with castes it's very invisibility it's what gives it power and uh, longevity and uh, important thing is that if we are to smash this system we have to understand it in and out i think that's the whole crux of i just don't get why but why do all these fraternizing gets down to the big man in the sky <laughs> i think i think it's really funny actually like uh, the divine will and everything about that i think that uh, all of these pillars they're unarguably right these pillars they've been the foundation of caste the foundation upon which caste got up on its feet and it started walking the earth but what question that keeps ringing in my mind is that why does it still work all of these pillars they might have been precise for some time in the past and it needn't necessarily be the same because we know that the ground reality and the landscape in which we are living it's constantly shifting on that perspective uh, i'd like to put forward this question that why does caste still prevail and uh, for this question i was talking with a friend of mine he's from a village where the majority of the population they do agriculture and uh, he used to tell me that the people in his village they stay with the caste through thick and thin because they know that the caste has their back like for example now uh, there's some problem in their harvest like there's some problem in the harvest of uh, one person the rest of the caste it will take care of that one person as long as that one person stays together with the caste and contributes to the caste but 
if you were an islander if you belonged there but still you didn't want to take any part in all of the caste activities the caste festivals or whatsoever you're on your own you'll be that omega wolf which wanders through the tundra region in the bitter cold without any companions you if you don't follow the norms of the caste and if you don't coexist with the people of the caste they just shun you out they don't take care of you when you need to be taken care of and people fear this feeling of being lonely societies where there is a lot of pressure to follow the caste models i think these people they tend to get into caste and they tend to bring their children into caste and this is a never ending cycle it goes on and on and on and on and they never get out of caste would you like to cross examine this point here ron rather than cross examining i would like to bring our listeners attention to this particular fact to a, again an european country germany you see in india the caste system is 2000 year old probably dates back in the vedas even before that uh, but if you look at germany we can i think we can really take a few lessons it's it's one country where in just a period of 12 years you have a caste system that is the aryan supremacy theory being resurrected and it was brought down just in the period of 12 years uh, with the rise of nazis the aryan supremacy started to grow and as they fell down uh, the german government did a very good job such that the aryan caste supremacy uh, came in control what was that they brought in which led to such a strict control of uh, caste supremacy in germany so what they did was they rather than uh, giving reservations or uh, things like that uh, like uh, the indian politicians do what they did was they uh, tried to change the behavior of uh, humans they they brought in small laws and rules try to subconsciously take your mind away from this hatred for example uh, there is this rule that even even today it exists that if you if you just show the sign of nazi swastika you could be jailed for 3 years instead of uh, upping their uh, reservation what they did was they controlled the micro habits of people and used these uh, small preventive measures to control uh, anything large from happening so maybe uh, we could as a country as the largest democracy in the world i think we could do something like that and uh, i think that as of germany they wanted to extend this aryan supremacy theory across their borders now ultimately other countries and the people of other countries and the government in other countries they don't have the same mindset so i'd like to hypothesize something like this if the caste system like if the caste system that is widely being practiced in india which defines some castes as higher caste and some as lower caste now somehow if this caste system were to be extended through our borders to the neighboring countries i'd like to see how they react because if if the nazism if the aryan supremacy theory had not been exported out of germany i don't think the rest of the world would have got involved in it of course hitler violated a lot of pacts hitler violated a lot of treaties but still what i'm trying to say is at the end of the day they believed firmly that the aryans were superior to any other race that has walked the planet 
so let's think of it this way that way they wanted the aryans to rule not only germany they wanted the aryans to rule the whole world and when they extended this through their borders the rest of the countries retaliated because they just didn't buy into the aryan supremacist theory so similarly if we were to extend this caste system beyond our borders and if we were to say that a specific minority they have to stay in control of power and the rest of the majority they just have to keep working their asses off for this minority people to keep ruling over them then the rest of the world would react then you say that we are inside a building and we don't know what the building is made of and maybe from a perspective like that from when other countries show us a reflection of ourselves maybe then we'll know what a toxic system that we have been patronizing here if we were to do that then those people would tell us how stupid our theories are so what i think is i think that we need to see things at a global perspective rather than sticking to a very regional perspective and fraternizing people that i belong to this and you belong to that i think we should see things at a global perspective i think that's one way to change the mindset of people that way i think the magnitude of the whole caste system's impact could be brought down yeah that's a very convincing argument but if we take out all this uh, political angle that's given to caste i think as as humanity we have lost something that is even bigger the biggest loss according to me is that from this whole caste based discrimination is that people are judged on the very thing they cannot change that is no one born in this earth can change their ancestry it's a it's a superficial difference that has nothing to do with who they are inside i think that's a very big loss and uh, here i would like to bring the listeners attention to this great experiment a teacher carried out in a class in the united states uh, it was a third grade and the teacher what she did was she split her class into two groups based on the color of their eyes she said that the brown eyed people were not as good as blue eyed people so she has basically split her class into two the brown eyed people and the blue eyed people and she has labeled the brown eyed people as a subordinate class and the blue eyed people as the dominant class and she introduced certain small things uh, which established this dominance and subordinance she stopped them from interacting together and she started out laying special rules like uh, brown eyed people have to come early to the classroom from the recess breaks she deliberately didn't answer their questions in classes and so on soon when she started to practice this uh, for over a couple of days she noticed that the brown eyed students weren't as expressive as their other classmates their performance in class started to go down the the effect that she witnessed was mind numbing just after introducing the discrimination into students who had no control what their eye color was just after introducing this discrimination she noticed that just in a couple of days the students could get affected so much imagine if this was being practiced over the years over the generation how deep the effect is ingrained on the people who have underwent such kind of uh, discrimination i think what you just said now i think it's very simple but still it illustrates the point and the torment of the caste system very briefly for example the children were divided into two groups 
for a period of two days or three days. But in case of the caste system that we are practicing in India, this is being practiced for thousands of years now, if not more. Now, the question is, how do we get out of this? And do we have to get out of this? Could there be implications which would be really hard for us to tackle if we were to remove this? You know, it's always easy to rule people when they are in groups as a very negative political strategy, but it, it's always easy to rule people in groups. But still, ruling people in groups, that can be manipulated and that can be, and that can be misused. So where do we draw the line? How do we divide and conquer effectively without putting any metaphysical differences between fellow human beings? Why do we oppress? Isn't that the question that should be originally asked? Like the answer for that question could unravel the mysteries of all the caste system and all forms of dominance that one person asserts over the another. Like, why do you think we oppress? Like it's a very psychological question, but still, do you have any take on it? Like, why do we oppress? Like if there was Nazis and if there were Jews and if the Nazis never oppressed the Jews, there wouldn't have been a war. If there was Germany and if there were other countries, if Germany never oppressed the other countries, there wouldn't have been a war. Being people of the same species, why do you think we get so much pleasure from oppressing life beings of our own species and other species too? Why do we oppress? I think oppression and the reason for people oppressing each other has a very fundamental impact on our lives because this oppression can be reasoned out because of multiple things. Like say one group is fearing other group. So only using one of those pillars that I mentioned before, could you actually eliminate that group in order to eliminate your own fear? It's lust for power. It's lust for property or belongings of another person or people. It's lust for the thrilling risk of doing something that the oppressor knows that it is wrong and unquestionably against the laws of creation. I think on one hand, we have lust and the other hand, we have the fear. Fear that the oppressed might not be favorably disposed to sharing their belongings on equal and reciprocal terms with the oppressor. I think it's, it's the combination of both the lust and fear, which eventually leads people to oppress each other. And it's not only in caste that we could see it. It's the reason behind every war or uh, every argument that has been happened or will happen between two humans. The lust for power. I think this is the devil which has unraveled itself over the past two centuries and also the present century. The evil of caste is widely spoken. But... Is it widely acknowledged? Of course not. I don't think it's widely acknowledged. Because we know that the structure of vote banks, we know that the structure of state, they've made these structures with caste in mind. Nowadays, we have big cities. People from all castes, they don't see any difference. They come there, they work together. I think that is the success of the capitalist world. People blame the materialist world for a lot of things. Yes, everything in the world is evil. I know that's very pessimistic of me to say that, but still, we always have to go for the lesser evil. The materialistic world is evil, but still, it removes a lot of superior evil to that 
like caste for example you don't widely see people you know chanting their caste names and chanting their caste slogans in big cities where people have to work every day so there is a very small minority of people who take these greater evils like caste and all the other forms of fraternities and they capitalize the hell out of this they get political gains they get structural gains they get corporate gains they get a lot of pleasure out of this that way they take care that this system doesn't collapse ever because the collapse of this system is the collapse of them and i think that as people who have had the privilege to learn as people who have had the privilege to know a language or two as people who have the privilege to take a book and read it i think that we all should acknowledge the evil that we are having at hand and i think that we all have a moral duty a moral obligation to satisfy to walk out of this without hurting each other people over the centuries have been thinking that by oppressing other people they have gained wealth power fame everything etc they have gained whatever that comes along with power but it's actually if we see probabilistically or statistically it's actually a great loss not only for them but for this whole world because if you see if you take 100% of the population and just randomly say just for the sake of argument that of this 100 people four people turn out to be bill gates or uh, elon musk or uh, or basically a person who is going to change how humans will live on the earth how humans are going to exist so by oppressing say 25% of this population we have in a way prevented one bill gates or one person who was going to change the world we have oppressed him and actually lost the opportunity of being a better nation or better world so i feel this whole system of discriminating each other based on ancestry or hereditary by oppressing close to a fraction of the population we have eventually stopped them from showing their brilliance and creativity that we could have benefited humanity so many ways ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to us with a lot of patience and curiosity that's it for this episode of qualia we would love to hear on what you think about our show you could always mail us your thoughts and comments at pod.qualia@gmail.com or you could follow us at qualia_pod on instagram for more exciting stuff stay tuned and see you guys in the next one